So, in the story of my life growing up, my older brother was the antagonist uh, for a number of reasons, uh, including alcohol and drugs. His teenage years, uh, his young adult years were very chaotic, and that obviously affected my family in big ways. I grew up with fear about what my brother might do. Um, I grew up with fear about how his actions would affect my family. I remember, you know, staying at our sister's friend's house one evening after the police were called because that felt safer to my parents. So kind of gives you a picture of a little bit of what uh, some, some weeks were like in my house growing up. I grew up with anger at my brother, you know, for the way that it seemed his needs distracted attention from my parents, the, the, the attention that I wanted, right? I grew up dreaming of getting back at him, showing him how much his behavior hurt me or hurt my family. I really want to really show him. I remember when I was like 19 or 20, I think I was 19 or 20, I don't remember exactly the year, but uh, a, a friend of mine who was, who was a praying person, by then I'd, I'd, uh, I'd interacted with churches uh, for the first time in my life and had the semblance of like a prayer life. I was like, okay, maybe there's a God out there. And this friend uh, that I was hanging with, we ended up talking a bit about some of the ways I'd felt hurt by my brother. And uh, they asked me, do you want to forgive your brother? And I said, no, because I didn't really know what that entailed. But also, I did not want to initiate a conversation with my brother. That was above all what I felt in that moment. So I said, no. And my friend asked me, do you want to want to forgive your brother? I don't know if you've ever been asked that question. It seemed like it had less pressure to me, like it was different. So, uh, so I said, yeah, I, I suppose I, I mean, I could genuinely say, yes, I want to want to forgive him. Uh, so my friend is, I mentioned, is a praying person. They prayed for me while we sat together. That's a powerful memory for me, having that time praying about wanting to want to forgive my brother. Some years later, I was again with some friends talking about life and again ended up talking about ways my brother had hurt me. I remember we'd gotten away from the city to like a, a beach house in Indiana. This was pre-Airbnb days, guys. So this, is, this is big. You go to the, you know, the beach house in Indiana, that's like, wow. You are living, early 20s at the beach house in Indiana, that's not common. We were living the dream, y'all. Uh, yeah, I know, wow is right, okay? It's everybody's, their beach houses now, Airbnb. My stories have no pop anymore. Just kidding, okay. That's what I care about. Um, no, so we're, we're again, to, I'm, I'm again with friends. I'm again talking about ways my brother had hurt me. And I have an even more powerful experience this time um, because a couple of the friends, again, asked, like, can we pray with you about this? Like, this is a lot on your, uh, that, that you're carrying. And it felt in that time, like, the way I can describe it is like God was stirring up uh, all of the sadness and brokenheartedness in me for all that was out of my brother's control. Not the things he did, but the things that he couldn't affect. In that moment, I stopped seeing him solely as a villain in my life. He was more than one thing. And as I thought about me in relationship to him, I stopped me seeing myself solely as a victim of his actions. I just like was struck by how much 
was so difficult for him. All the chaos that he was living in that he couldn't, he couldn't change. And that just sucked for him. It wasn't something that he had done. So this was an experience of forgiveness. I wonder if this tracks at all with any experiences you've all have had, or I wonder if it tracks at all for me to use that word, forgiveness. I felt freed in that moment from the compulsion to get back at my brother. I actually felt tenderness toward him. That changed my relationship with him from that day on. My brother died in 2015, and he never knew about those prayer experiences, but I was kinder to him. I was more open to him from those days on. So conflict resolution is our topic. I mentioned this last week and that we would be talking about it again this week. And today I want to zoom in on pretty much the lived wisdom that makes someone a person of conflict resolution. Not just a person who's experienced conflict resolution or understands conflict resolution, but like, do you know what I mean? A person of conflict resolution. Somebody who is no, like you, you get to know them and you're like, gosh, they just like de-escalate not escalate? Yeah, yeah. They are, they are a person of conflict resolution. That's what I'm talking about. And the lived wisdom that allows people to be known that way is forgiveness. This, this is like the biggie. The freedom of forgiveness is a kind of reality that I think reminds people in our secular age in which we're kind of tempted to feel like everything in life can be described on like natural or material terms, they, they remind us that like, oh my gosh, there is something unseen. <laughs> there is something spiritual. There is something transcendent about life. Forgiveness reminds us this because it's like, how on earth did I get from the childhood relationship I had with my brother to actually feeling tenderness toward him? You cannot describe that on natural terms. <laughs> you, you can't describe it. It's uh, in, uh, in the Bible, in uh, Philippians chapter 4 has this phrase, the peace that surpasses all understanding. That's what we're talking about when we talk about forgiveness. It doesn't make sense. If everything is only imminent, like the stuff that we can touch and measure and calculate, natural, material stuff, that if there's no like, transcend, transcendent force of love holding things together, then forgiveness should just kind of feel optional to us like, why go through the trouble, right? Take care of number one, secure the resources you need, you know, for your, who cares about those other people? But it doesn't feel that way, right? It doesn't feel like this is optional. In our most hurt and hardened states, we are sometimes compelled by that view, but our connections and our relationships, as fraught as they may sometimes feel, have a way of calling to us, reminding us they are not optional. They're not relationships are not obstacles in the way of our real life. Relationships are our real life, right? That's what most foundationally makes up who we are, is the connections we experience. It's not the stuff we produce or the, the you know, performance that we put on for the rest of the world. And this is why I think such a big part of Jesus's ministry is forgiveness. No doubt you've heard that word before in church settings, but I wonder if maybe some of the things you've heard you might need to unlearn. So let's unwind forgiveness for a little bit. 
Jesus famously said, forgive not just seven times, but 70 times, seven times. And that's his famous phrase in responding to his disciple, Peter. And in in the Jewish context, we mentioned this even last week, where seven is the number of completion to the ancient Hebrews, seven days of creation, if you're familiar with that. Um, So to say, no, don't just forgive seven times, forgive 70 times, seven times, is sort of a, a cultural way of saying unlimited times. Forgiveness is just it, it just is. Today, forgiveness is often conflated with reconciliation. We take forgiveness to mean two parties were in conflict returning to connection. But that's actually reconciliation. That's why I was afraid to say I wanted to forgive my brother in the first place. Because it's like, I don't want to start a conversation with him. Is that what that means? We often conflate the two. Forgiveness is something that happens inside an individual or inside a group when we no longer hold someone in contempt for the hurt or the pain that they caused in us. And catch that? You're no longer holding somebody in contempt. That's when you know if you've forgiven. It can, and hopefully does, in a lot of cases, lead to reconciliations where two parties like come back together, restore a relationship, but not always. And when it doesn't, it actually doesn't lessen or cheapen the experience of forgiveness. That can be still extremely important and powerful will not always experience reconciliation in every conflict in our lives because we can't control others. Because frankly, sometimes it's not appropriate, it's unsafe to restore a relationship, but forgiveness is still this thing that we must drive for. When we no longer feel that hold to like, ooh, you know, like it's ammunition, right, for, for getting that person back like I wanted to do with my brother, to demonstrate, to, to, to show just how much you've hurt me. That is something that's always on offer, even if reconciliation isn't. So reconciliation is important, but forgiveness is kinda, it's, on a, it's at a lower level in the foundation of the house. The freedom that we talk about when you no longer have that like, don't forget that you hurt me energy, the freedom there is a spiritual experience. As I said, it cannot be described on imminent terms. I'm, I, I'm actually, I mean, Neuroscience can probably show us how it lights up brain activity in a certain way, and that's amazing, right? Like, cool, that, uh, I, I love that. But I still think that we can't fully account for the feeling that you are participating in love that's at the center of the world, right? Like, where did that love come from when all that's going on inside me is the cycle of don't forget that you hurt me. That's participating in something outside of yourself. And that's why I think there's something spiritual going on when we forgive. So I was uh, recently taken through a tour of Desmond Tutu and his daughter Umpo Tutu's amazing book, The Book of Forgiving. I'll have uh, Melissa drop a little link in the, in the um, Discord chat for us if you want, want to check out the Book of Forgiving. Um, it's an audiobook, and Umpo uh, Tutu actually reads part of it, so I highly recommend it that way. Uh, Desmond Tutu, who died in 2021, you may know, was an Anglican bishop, an activist, was most famously named by Nelson Mandela to chair South Africa's Truth and Reconciliation Commission to investigate human, right, abu- human rights abuses after uh, or uh, during apartheid. Uh, after apartheid, he was named to this. Uh, apartheid is the institutionalized white supremacy that ruled South Africa from 1948 until, I think, like 1990 or 1991. Um, 
it was, so it was, it was Tutu's charge to ensure that post-apartheid, South Africa could heal from its wounds rather than see them fester and be plunged into a cycle of revenge and yet more violence after this horrible institution of apartheid. So he and his daughter, Umpo, who you see up here together, Umpo is a priest and an activist for LGBTQ rights within the Anglican Church. They speak with enormous hard-earned experience and wisdom on forgiveness. They know this terrain. The book of forgiving is full of stories. Um, that's one of the reasons to read it. It's full of stories from family conflict, like I'm familiar with, to war crimes, obviously, which I'm not as familiar with, but it's harrowing to read. My takeaway after being brought through this book was, you know, wow, obviously I think forgiveness is important, right? Like, you know, every kind of, yeah, forgiveness is important. But maybe I don't think about it as much as I should. Because, it, like, is there any wisdom more across the board applicable than forgiveness to both interpersonal struggles, me and my brother, to societal struggles, how does South Africa overcome the history of apartheid, right? We're talking about the smallest of scale and the largest of scale. We're talking about forgiveness, like it's so applicable because it, it applies in small slights. I forgot to put the toilet seat down, you know? Like two, war crimes, abuse, the worst of stories. It applies across the board. That, that runs the entire gamut of that spectrum. There might not be another more across the board applicable wisdom than forgiveness. It's so important. No wonder it's core to Jesus' teaching because everyone gets hurt. So the tutus have this image to tie their message in the book of forgiving together. If I can give you like the, the bird's eye view of it, and then if you want to read more, you can, um, you can read the book of forgiving. It's very readable. Uh, their image is uh, the hand on the heart putting your hand on your heart rather than shaking your fist in the air. That's their image. Forgiveness is putting your hand on your heart rather than shaking your fist in the air. They say life can be so habitual, we don't realize that we are constantly faced with that choice. Will we put our hand on our heart or will we shake our fist in the air? It's so habitual. There's so many things that are just run on autopilot. We don't realize constantly we are faced with that choice. And the choice is, do we forgive or, we to con or do we continue cycles of revenge? Will we shake our fist to shame or return the hurt to those who have harmed us? Or will we place our hands on our hearts and move through forgiveness. So they offer what they call the fourfold path of forgiveness. It looks like this. It, tell the story is their first step because forgiveness cannot be experienced unless all is brought into the light. I think of my conversations with my friends, right? Like I was just kind of, I needed to unwind a lot of what had happened with me and my brother. I needed to tell the story. It, second part of the fourfold path is to name the hurt. We talked about last week, with, uh, with Kezia, feelings crave acknowledgement, right? Do you remember that quote from last week? We need to name the hurt because feelings crave acknowledgement. We need acknowledgement from God, from other people who can bring us God's acknowledgement through their own. And I think of, you know, my friends asking to pray for me. Number three is to grant forgiveness. This is recognizing your shared humanity rather than rejecting your shared humanity. 
with whoever has wronged you. It's not forgetting, it's not calling cruelty or violence okay, but it is a choice to move forward, grant forgiveness. And then the final step being renew or release the relationship. And the tutus are at, at, at pains to explain that both are viable options because we're distinguishing between forgiveness and reconciliation. They're not the same thing. Um, I didn't know what would come next with my brother, but that was okay. Of course, reconciliation is desired in as many instances as possible, the tutu's right, but sometimes the best final step of forgiveness is releasing the relationship because that's what's safest or that's what's best. The important thing, whether we renew or release, is that we are no longer driven mad by that need to even the score, as we were talking about. And that's when we find the freedom and contentedness that the tutus demonstrate in their writing. One of the reasons to read the Book of Forgiving is you just read this beautiful, like, they have seen hell. They've seen war crimes. And they've seen their own fair share of interpersonal struggles, and they're open about that. But they just give off the vibe of like, wow, what, what, is, what did you tap into that you're okay? And that you're more than okay. You are content. And like, do you know, do you know what other Desmond Tutu's like uh, big best-selling writing is? It's the Book of Joy with the Dalai Lama. Desmond Tutu gives off joy everywhere he goes. And that's why we were so sad to lose him in 2021. How did he tap into that? When he, forgiveness and, and, and like resting in the pain of humanity was so much a part of his life. Because they had a hand on their heart rather than a fist in the air. They just give off such beautiful freedom and contentedness as they write. So I'm really helped by this. My, I, I, lo I love this, right? The fourfold path of forgiveness. Isn't that beautiful? My brother is by no means the only source of challenging interpersonal experiences for me, of feeling hurt, of feeling betrayed, of feeling forgotten. I often feel myself need to like... Um, Go around and around the fourfolds again, right? It's a spiral. You get through it, and then you find, oh, okay, there's another splinter. I need to go through those again. And that, you know, like you're just discovering new layers emerge in you. You have to place your hand on your heart again. And I wonder if that feels true to anybody else. A friend of mine, um, the one who gave me this tour through the, the Book of Forgiving, he told me he visited his daughter on her college campus recently, and because he had been reading the Book of Forgiving at the time, they ended up talking about it a lot. He has a college-age daughter. And his daughter related the first two folds that we talked about there, the um, uh, tell the story and name the hurt. She related those to this um, important distinction in conflict resolution work. Another thing that came up last week as we talked with Kezia, intent versus impact. You know, um, the way we defined that last week is regardless of whether your intent was positive or even neutral, if the impact of your actions was harmful, intent doesn't excuse that, okay? We can still take responsibility for the harm that we've done, and it doesn't mean we're a bad person, right? To say, oh, I had this impact, and I take responsibility for that. And this, this especially comes up in conflict resolution settings that uh, care deeply uh, about um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So you may have heard this if you uh, have been in any sort of uh, workshops around DEI. Um, this is especially important for dominant culture folks to acknowledge. So a white person can easily say, it wasn't my intent to be racist, and fail to acknowledge that 
their impact on a non-white person was a microaggression, right? That's important, especially important in those settings. A man can easily say, it wasn't my intent to come off patriarchal. I didn't mean to, right? You can, but we fail to acknowledge if we hide behind intent only, we fail to acknowledge our impact on someone who wasn't a man. Uh, or an able-bodied person can easily say, it wasn't my intent to be prejudiced, and fail to acknowledge their impact on a differently abled person. This is something excellently taught in lots of progressive settings today, like college campuses, as my, my, my friend's daughter was relating. Uh, taking really seriously power dynamics. It's got those first two folds, tell the story and name the hurt, all over it. But my friend and their daughter observed her college campus isn't exactly filled with the sort of freedom and contented senses of self that Desmond and Umpo Tutu give off. <laughs> when, you, when you think about, like you walk around, you interact with all those people, all those you know, young 20-somethings and how they feel about life, it's not the same as when you read the Book of Forgiving. It can kind of give off a vibe of like, they, they're just you know, passing this on to me of like, kind of bitter. There's some bitterness. That's different. It's interesting, right? They're so good at those first two steps, but there's a bitterness there. And they wondered, I feel really compelled by this, maybe a temptation in progressive American settings, describes me, is that we get really good at the first two folds of the four-fold path, we get really good at those first two. We pat ourselves on the back. Oh my God, I am so good at separating intent from impact. So good at that. And then we think that maybe the work is done. But we're not done. It's tempting. But if we do that, we miss that only half the work has been done for our souls. But the soul of our nation, right? Granting forgiveness and renewing or releasing relationships is something that we must equally commit to if we long to see the sort of societal steps forward in our political polarization that the Truth and Reconciliation Commission saw in South Africa post-apartheid. It took immense leadership for that to happen at a societal level and not just an interpersonal level. Immense leadership. There's a reason that we celebrate Desmond Tutu and Nelson Mandela as two of the finest leaders in recent history. Because, oh my God, does the temptation and the drive bring us back to, but you did this to me and I'm going to show you. Oh my goodness, does it short circuit the fourfold path where we get through one and two and then forget to do three and four or just avoid three and four because it's the hardest part. It takes immense leadership takes immense self-leadership for us to do this ourselves, but it is so important. And I was incredibly moved by the way that Desmond and Umpo talk about this. In my own experience, and I think for a lot of people, if we're searching our stories, we do want the freedom of following through to the end of this. Cynicism, bitterness, using shame as a weapon, those are no ways to live, right? They're not, they're not equilibrium. They're, they're like, they're so off kilter and maybe they like charge us and fill our passion for a, a season, but eventually they recoil on us because they're not a, 
a state of equilibrium. We're so off balance when we're driven by, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you how much you hurt me. So we all want that freedom. And I, yeah, I moved. I, this is not the only way to think about forgiveness, this fourfold path, but I certainly am helped by somebody breaking it down in such a way um, to see that it can be really beautiful and freeing work. I think this is how we become people of conflict resolution, interpersonally, societally. If we get really good at forgiveness, that is how conflict resolution follows you around. And it's not just something that you sometimes experience when the stars align. So forgiveness. I would love to pray for us in that space. I wonder if there are some actual, like, real hurts coming up to the, the top of the surface of your mind right now. That would be completely normal and good. My hope is that we can create a space right now for prayer. Take a beat. We got about, we get good five to nine minutes before the kids rejoin us. So let's take some quiet. Let's take some time to breathe and even to like call to mind those really uncomfortable feelings um, where forgiveness maybe is activated for us. Um, may I pray for us? If you would like to get comfortable in your seat. Let's take some more deep breaths together as Angela let us in earlier. Deep breath in. And out. Another deep breath in and out. We're going to take one more deep breath together, and I want you to direct your attention to the way that you are not alone in taking that deep breath. There are other inhales and exhales going on all around you in the theater if you're here, or all around you in your community if you're participating from afar. Many people are doing the same thing you are right now. And just rest in the niceness of that. Deep breath in. And out. So God of love, we are not alone in our need to forgive. Should we have a story or a person rattling around in our mind? Maybe it's a group. Maybe it's not a specific person. It's a group of people. Should we have something like that really forward now? We are not alone. Everyone experiences hurt, betrayal, distrust, being forgotten or neglected being impacted. And maybe it is one of those situations where the person who did so hided behind intent and that makes it hurt all the more. God, show us what it looks like to tell this story and name this hurt with people who are safe. Show us if the person who caused this is the safe person to bring this to or if it's somebody else right now. How do we tell the story and name the hurt?
But God, we want to move through the entire path. We want the freedom that these wise sages who've gone before us like Desmond and Umpotutu have. We want that same character to mark our life, to feel free, to feel joy, to not feel so defended and like we're walking on eggshells. We want that freedom. So move us into a space where we can imagine right now what it looks like to grant forgiveness and to renew or release these relationships. Return us again, God. We are not alone. This is the story of every human being in the history of the world. And if somebody has presented themselves to us, otherwise they are lying. We are just like every other person. Sometimes we're hurt and we need to move through forgiveness to move on. Fill us with joy and fill us with the freedom that the peace that surpasses all understanding. Give to us from your incredible reserves, Jesus, who says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they're doing. Give to us from that like unexplainable force of love at the center of all things that does not make sense, but evidently it's there. And evidently people tap into it pretty regularly. Wow, can we tap into that? May we have grace for where we are in that fourfold path, whether we're spiraling back through it again and need to, I'm not sure what step I'm at yet. May we have grace for ourselves. May we have grace for those around us. May we, may we have a positive impact on one another in community as each of us are dealing with our hurts. May we be quick to empathize and quick to see one another May we become people whom conflict resolution follows. In Jesus' name, amen.